Actually, two texts this morning, and I will point out to you our, our title and our message today in these two texts. The first one is the story of Matthew, chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. And the second one is Luke's account in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord. Do you believe in angels? Well, Joseph, Joseph did. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, here was the message, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. What a marvelous thought, that God would come. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife. Now Luke chapter 2. This is Luke's version of the great miracle story of the advent of our Lord Jesus. Verse 8, 2, 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now we know this is outside of Bethlehem. Now I was in Bethlehem not too, too long ago. Uh, actually, the first trip I took about four years ago. And we went to Bethlehem, and we went out into what is called the shepherd's field. And if I could just let you feel it with me, just mentally. It was cold, a brisk night. It was dark. We walked through the shepherd's field, and we went to what is called the shepherd's cave, to what is believed that when it became very cold, there, would, there was these caves and they would take their sheep into the caves. As we went into the cave, it was pitch black, but we had candles, kind of like the candles that we took up to the hill, but they were real. And we went into those caves and it was cold outside and I wasn't prepared that it got so cool so quickly in the evening when the sun went down but when I got in that shepherd's cave, it was completely warm. And we were there. These shepherds were in those fields. Was it that field? Probably not. But we know it was some there, somewhere there around Bethlehem. In verse 9, once again, an angel shows up. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. These people that say that they sit around and have tea with angels, I do not believe them. I do not believe them. Every time in Scripture when an angel shows up, there's always overwhelming fear. Do you know your God is an awesome God? 
and his angels are mighty servant beings. And here are these shepherds that really didn't know a lot about God. They weren't from the temple. But notice the Lord comes to bring the message to the shepherds. He didn't announce it to the high priest. He didn't announce it to the priest. But he announced it to the shepherds. Behold, an angel came. And it says, and they were greatly afraid. Verse 10. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Notice that, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And, there, and, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly, God, God was going to outdo himself. He said, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. Now I'm about to get excited here. Amen. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, peace, goodwill towards men. That is just great. I want you to notice, here's the title of our message today. Did you notice the common theme? Did you notice what the angel says to Joseph in the dream? Did you notice what the angels said to the lowly shepherds out in the fields outside of Bethlehem? To Joseph, he said, his name should be called Jesus, and he will save, he will save his people from their sins. And to the angels, or rather to the shepherds, he said, for there is born to you in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I want to minister for a few minutes this morning on simply this great theme, Jesus, our Savior. Isn't that wonderful that we have a Savior? We have a Savior, and his name is Jesus. Jesus, our Savior. Who is this Savior? What is he like? What can we know about him from this great Christmas story and from the teaching of the New Testament? And I will tell you, we can know a lot. First of all, I want to tell you, and I just have three thoughts today. Number one is, he is a special Savior. There's no one like him. He is unique in every way, unique, more unique than anyone that's ever been born in this earth. One of the unique things, as we look at both Matthew and Luke's account, and they record, and I just touched on a couple of these very unusual, special events that surround the Advent story of our coming of our Lord Jesus. But one of the things that's very evident in this special Savior, Jesus, is his special nature. His special nature is, is this. Everyone under the sound of my voice, in fact, everyone except him, has a beginning. You have a beginning. I have a beginning. I don't know what your beginning was. My beginning was December 31st, 1965, on an Air Force base right outside Kansas City, Missouri. It was a very cold night in Kansas City. My dad said that he was so nervous, he went out in the garage and cranked the mower. He said, and to this day, I don't know why I did that. So that was about as special as, as it was for my story. My dad cranked a mower. 
Now, yours may be a little more spectacular than that, but that's it with me. That was it. I was born, and the mower was cranked. Why would Dad crank a mower on December 31st, three feet of snow outside, and about freezing? But I want you to know there was one born 2,000 years ago, and there was something so glorious. All heaven stood still in awe that God would be born to the human race. You had a beginning. I had a beginning. He never had a beginning. And I'll tell you, he has no ending either. He is unique in every way because Jesus is eternal. Listen, he's eternal God. He's not just a great teacher. He's not just a miracle worker. He's not just one that formed a great religion. He's the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He's the creator of the worlds. And he is eternal God. Matthew said it. I read it. He is God with us. Think about that. God with us. 2,000 years ago, God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. In Bethlehem's manger, God was born. How can that happen? I don't know. It's impossible to me. How could God get in something not much bigger than that right there? Just a little bitty baby. How could God become man? I don't know. That is above my pay grade. I am just a lowly messenger to come to tell you the great story that Jesus is our Savior. I stood on the hill last night as a nice group of people gathered. Our first group was larger than the second group. And as they gathered there, I saw people that I did not know. People that just driven by, people that saw our nativity outreach on Facebook. And people, and I could tell that many of them, and maybe most of them, were Christians because they were worshiping, they were attentive there. And as Brother Brad and I were standing there, I think this was on the second group, actually. And we looked out this way. And Brad said, do you see that star shining so brightly over the nativity? And I said, it's probably Venus. And he pulled out this cool app. You know, there's Brad, and then there's the rest of us. (laughs) He pulled out this app, and he turned, and he pointed it at the star. And that thing started doing something. He said, yep, that's Venus. I thought, wow, I just guess. He knows, man. When that second group came up, I said, the babe in the manger is God. I said, and I said to the group, I said, you see that star? That's Venus. The babe in the manger 2,000 years ago is the creator. He created Venus. We have a special Savior, special in his nature. His, his deity is proclaimed in Scripture. John said it this way. No one, no one can improve on this right here, by the way. No one can improve on what I'm going to read here. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And He, Jesus God, Logos, was in the beginning with God. Well, I said you can't improve on it. Well, let me give you this next one. Colossians, listen. There is, listen, there's nowhere in Scripture, not Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, etc., etc. 
There's nowhere, not Corinthians, not Matthew, not Mark, not Luke, not even the Revelation. There is nowhere in Scripture that there is a higher exaltation of Jesus than this verse right here. These two verses, Colossians 1:15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. 2:9 of Colossians. For in him dwells all. Everyone say all. Dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All the omnipotence, all the omniscience, all the omnipresence, all were in Jesus Christ, veiled from human eyes. Oh, they did get a glimpse of it on the Mount of Transfiguration as the Lord just allowed Peter, James, and John to get a glimpse of his glory, but veiled in humility, veiled in his earthly, sinless humanity. God, I'm here to tell you today, Jesus is our special Savior. His special nature. What about his special conception? Born different than any other man. Now, maybe you agree with me on this, that natural conception itself is a miracle. Natural conception, natural birth of human beings is a great miracle. How... The sperm and the seed comes together to create someone and within every cell of their body is all, it's like the blueprint. Everything about that person, it's like the blueprint of their color, their eye, their personality, everything about them is created. Now that's a miracle. That's a miracle that God has given the human race the ability to procreate. David said it this way, I was fearfully and I was wonderfully made. I was skillfully wrought in the lowest parts. Yes, natural birth is a miracle. But the conception and birth of Jesus was a higher miracle, higher than words could even express his miracle birth, because there was no male involved. Yes, Joseph was his legal father, but not his actual father. Matthew again, now the birth of Jesus was as followed, follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, she was, she came, they, before they came together, she was found with child, look at this, of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Luke said, the power of the Most High will come on you in his, the power of the Holy Spirit. How can someone be pregnant without natural means? Because God's plans are amazing and marvelous. No one would have ever come up with a plan of redemption like this. I mean, if I was coming up with it, I'd just get a big army and just kind of ride on in and, and just mow over the enemy. Who would have ever thought of God becoming a baby? It is so strange. It is so amazing. Hello. Think about this. In verse 20 of this verse, it says, but while he thought about these things, the angel appeared to him in a dream. He said to Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which you conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Special 
conception. <coughs> Special announcement. Look what the angel said. Now, as I said, could you get me some water, please? <coughs> when, uh, when I was born, there was just a mower. Thank you. That one. I don't want yours. That one. <laughs> sorry. Not, not, yeah. Sorry. <coughs> I don't want to get you sick. Thank you. Thank you, sweetie. <clears throat> you know, when I was, my announcement was the mower. Probably Briggs and Stratton, maybe not that good. Maybe an off-brand of some type. Yeah, no, it wasn't John Deere. Mine was lesser than a Strat, Briggs and Stratton. But his announcement was a glorious proclamation. I mean, when I, when I was announced, there was no, no, no one celebrated. My mom and dad, my mom definitely wasn't celebrating. But when, <laughs> I can tell you, listen, my, my brothers and I, we were great Catholic people. We wonderful Catholics. No birth control. My brother was born on July 21st of 63. My, other, my next brother was born September, 20, September 12th, uh, 64. I was born December 31st, 65. 63, 64, 65 is the three years and a half years of the great tribulation <laughs> for my mother. My mother will not, my mother's hair is completely gray. And she, I think she does this to remind us what we have put her through. No great announcements. But when Jesus was, was announced, the Bible says this in Luke 2, 9, Behold, the angel of the Lord stood around them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. The, he came with great glory and great palm and great circle. No, no, Herod didn't. The sinful people didn't. But the highest courts of heaven, the highest ones in heaven, the great angels came and proclaimed it in glory and in majesty, the manifestation of his glory. And who got it? Those shepherds. See, it's not the prideful, but it's the humble that get to see him. It's the lowly. It was a glorious proclamation. But not only that, it was a gracious proclamation. How, how was that? As I've mentioned, that he came to shepherds. He came to shepherds. See, Jesus is different. See, if we would have designed a Savior, we would have kind of been like Buckingham Palace that no one gets in. No one can just, you know, one walks in the White House or Buckingham Palace. You'll never get in there. Now, I was in the Kremlin one time. That's a whole story in itself. Someone asked me, How did you get in the Kremlin? Man, I still don't know how I got in the Kremlin. That is weird, isn't it? It was kind of strange. But anyway, they haven't asked me back. But anyway, Putin, Putin has never asked me back. But anyway, he came to shepherds. You can reach him. You can reach him. This homeless person that was asleep on the hill up here. So we walked out there. Somebody came to me and said, Pastor, there's somebody asleep on the hill. I'm like, what? They're like up on the hill up here. No shoes on. They were just kicked back. I thought, I thought about running over there and scaring them, but I thought that wouldn't be nice. But then I thought, well, they look like they're really relaxing, so I'll leave them alone. But I can tell you this. That man can reach him. His number's never busy. He don't need your money. He don't need a title because he's got all the title you need. His name will be called Jesus. Jesus gets you in. 
Come on, Jesus gets you in. This poor man cried to the Lord, and the Lord heard them. You may feel lonely, you may feel ostracized, but listen, Jesus loves the most lowly one among us. We can reach him today. He came to the shepherds. Why, did it, why is the Christmas story like that? I'll tell you why the Christmas story is like that. It's like that because he wants everyone to know we can reach him. He's a rich, we can reach him. Remember that leper came up and the Lord said, Lord, if you will, you can make me whole. What did Jesus do? You touch me. No one's ever touched me in years. I've got this leprosy. But listen, when Jesus touches you, what you've got doesn't get on him. His power overcomes what you've got, and he can heal it today in Jesus' name because the one in the manger is Lord. His name shall be Jesus, and he's Lord. Come on. He's Lord. Glory to God. Special Savior. Don't you know he's special? I know I'm not doing a good job. Somebody else could probably paint him better, but I'm telling you, he's special. He's our Savior, Jesus. And what about that special guidance? Do you know that the promises of God are yes and amen? I hold to this Bible. I love this Bible. I love the Word of God. Now listen, I'm not talking about the leather. That'll perish. I'm not even talking about the ink and the paper. This could burn up or be thrown away, and it wouldn't change a thing. It's the truth contained here that's eternal. And when God gives you a promise, I can tell you, you can take it to the bank, if I could use that term. Well, so how is God going to fulfill his promise? If he has to move the planets all around to get it done, he's going to do it. There was a promise that a Savior would come into the world It was a specific promise. It was a specific prophecy. How would the Savior come to be born in Bethlehem? Now, there were some other Bethlehems. Did you know that? This was Micah 5 and 2. Look at the screen. Micah 5 and 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. So we got it narrowed down now. Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel, who's going forth are from of old, from everlasting. How is God going to get Mary and Joseph from up in Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem? How do you think he did this? I'm telling you, he's a special savior. And they got special guidance, but they didn't even know they were being guided. Because our God is so powerful. He decided to grab the heart of the most powerful man on the face of the earth. The great Caesar Augustus. And he just simply put a thought in his heart. He put a thought in Caesar Augustus' heart that all the world should be registered. And he just came up with a thought one day in his mighty palace, which wasn't mighty at all when you think about the throne of God. He's nothing but a servant boy. Caesar's nothing but my God's servant. And he grabbed the heart of that man, and he put a thought in Caesar Augustus' heart that everyone's got to go and be registered. But it was for one reason. 
of everything that was going on in the world. Didn't matter. Nothing mattered. It, now, it's like everything that's on TV, the impeachment, the, all the stuff's going on, and we think that's all the important stuff. That's not even important. All that was going on in the Roman Empire, people were moving here and moving there. Caesar Augustus having his cabinet meetings, moving his authority, but there was one poor little couple, just one. And of everything that was happening in the world, that was all that mattered. God just simply wanted to get Mary and Joseph and Jesus to the city of Bethlehem. So God just turned the whole world upside down. <laughs> and then I read this. Luke 2, everyone went to their own city, verse 3. Look at, look at this. It says here, uh, I'll read for Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, the house of bread. That's what Bethlehem means. Did you know that? The house of bread. Because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And I just underscored these in my notes. So it was. So it was. So it was. Just kind of happened from the world standpoint. So it was. This one went here and this one went there. But behind it all is the God of power and might and omnipotence. He's moving the heart of Caesar. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. Why? Our God's a special savior. Jesus is a special savior. Look at the amazing guidance. And listen, in your life, you may say, so it was this happened, or so it was that happened, or this circumstance, or I had to move there and go here and go there, and all of a sudden I found myself here, and this happened. But well, I want you to know you're being guided by God. Often the Holy Spirit is guiding your steps. Good men and women, their, their steps are ordered by the Lord. Oh, what a Savior. What an amazing Savior. And then think about this. His special presence Emmanuel, say that with me, Emmanuel. I love that, I love that. Being translated, God with us. So that means this, Jesus was the physical presence of God on earth for 33 and a half years about. Now there were those in that New Testament who had special privilege Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, Thaddeus, all those guys. What a privilege. Here's what he said about the presence of Jesus. This is 1 John 1, 3, and 4, or, or 1, 1 through 3. That which was from the beginning, that's Jesus. He was from the beginning. Which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes and we've looked upon and our hands have handled, we've handled Jesus in his physical body. We touched him. He touched us. The word of life. The life was manifest. That means he's born. And, was, and we have seen. And we bear witness. And we declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifest to us that which we have seen and heard. We declare to you also that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. 
Jesus Christ. The physical, special presence of Jesus, our Savior on the earth. Listen, he came. When those wise men came and those magi came, they were standing in the presence of God in the baby, but God, fully God, fully man. When Jesus stood before Pilate, he was standing before God. When Herod stood before, or stood before Jesus, he was standing before God. When Jesus hung on the cross, they were crucifying God, but not them, really. It was in the ordained plan of God's redemption. Special Savior, special presence. Can you imagine how, think about it, can you imagine how attached they became to Jesus? Now what you don't know about pastors is, pastors get very attached to people. Very attached to people. We minister to people in the most amazing points of life. Death, burial, births, sickness, sorrow, loss. We get attached to people. I can imagine Peter, James, John, Mary, Magdalene, you know, the, the Cleopas, all those people that surround, that are in close proximity, uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were his special friends. How attached they became to him. How they loved, like, like Martha, or like Mary, rather, sitting at his feet and just hearing his words and just wanting to be with him. And even when, even at the tomb, uh, Mary Magdalene just hung there after the disciples left. She just hung there. She wept, just so attached to him. But then before he left, he kept saying to them, I'm going away. I'm going away. And, the, and they began to be troubled by this. Because listen, Jesus is our Savior. And he being on earth, that was God. God was there with them. God in the upper room, God teaching them, God with them praying, and he, he, they're listening to him, God, the Son, the Savior. And he said, I'm going away. They were so troubled. But notice what Jesus says in John 16, verse 7. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. They couldn't see it. They couldn't see it at the moment. There's no advantage to this, they said, I'm sure. But he says this, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus did depart, and he went back to the Father. And guess what he did? He sent the Holy Spirit now, you're in this room, and I've heard many people say this. Many people have said, oh, I wish I would have been here when Jesus was here on the earth. Do you realize that we, in a sense, have a greater privilege than they did in many ways? Because he said, he's with you, but he's about to be in you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him, and we will make our home with him. Do you realize that you have something just as good as Jesus being here in the presence? 
in his physical presence. We have God's presence. Just as much as Jesus sitting around the campfire, he is here by the Holy Spirit. He is with us. He is in us. You and I are never alone. We have his special presence right now until the day we die and go be with him. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Oh, what a Savior. He sent his presence to us. He said, oh, I missed out. You didn't miss out on anything. The Holy Spirit is in you. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit of God. Not only was he his special presence with them physically, but now because he is the Lord, he sent the Holy Spirit. And he's here right now in this room. You haven't missed out on a thing. Peter got nothing on you. James and John have nothing on you and I. You think we're of lesser privilege? No, we're New Testament. Read Hebrews. Better, better, better. He's with you all the time. That's why in John 14 he said, I got to go away because the greater works is this. He could be, he probably didn't travel 100 miles from his hometown. For his hometown. Jesus probably never went more than 100 miles. About. He's a lot further than 100 miles right now. I'm half a world away from Jerusalem, but I got his presence right here. 1535 North Beltline Road, he's here. Come on, he's here. He's here today. He's at your address. He'll be in your car with you. He'll be with you when you're going through storms, troubles, and difficulties. God with us right now. Hallelujah. Oh, what a special Savior. Oh, well, I preached my first point too long. Put in Gick's gear. I'm going to go again. Ah, oh, come on. I want to end with, the, I'll, do, I'll give you my second one. He's not only a special Savior, but listen to this. He's a supernatural Savior. Now, let's be specific here. A Savior is someone who can save. Now, I have good intentions, and so do you. Who in this room... Who in this room would not want to go into the prisons and, and reform all those people? Come from probably broken families, no dad in their lives, drugs, murderers, taking the... Wouldn't you love to go in a prison and just really reform those guys and make, make, make them good? Love to do that. I have no power to do that. I'd love to go over here to the hospital and walk through that hospital and clear it out and all the sick and the cancer and, and, and all that's going on. I would love to go in there and save them all. I have no power to do it. I can't do it. See, we have good intentions, but we don't, we don't have the power because we're not, we're not the Savior. But I'm here to tell you this. He not only is the Savior, but he has the power to save. Listen, from any and from every single circumstance any human being will ever be in if they will call upon him. He's not only a special Savior. It not, well, listen, this is not a history lesson I'm giving you this morning. That I'm just simply telling you, oh, this is interesting and get our minds wondering, wow, that's really cool. I'm telling you, he's a supernatural savior that can save from any and all circumstances. Can I list them quickly? 
got my, my song to end with. We need to cut our phones off. Amen? All right. He's our Savior. Say that quickly. I'm about to quit. He's our Savior. That means he has the power to save from any and all circumstances. He's my Savior from sickness. When he came, he worked miracles that were amazing. He went everywhere. He's healing the sick. He's going about healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Listen to what Matthew said. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He cast out spirits with the word. He healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled with the smoke of the prophet. He took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses. I want you to know he can sa- he's our savior from sickness. He can heal sickness. He's also my savior from sorrow. He came to save us from sorrows. If you're sorrowful today, he can bring comfort to you. All I can do is say, hey, God bless you. I hope you feel better. I I don't have any power in my own humanness to pull that sorrow out of you. All that pain, all that hurt, I can't pull it out of you. But we know one who's our Savior. He's a Savior from sorrow. He can take the dark clouds away. Listen, no one ever has to commit suicide. Isn't that horrible? Horrible. People are even thinking about that. He can bring joy, joy, joy into our hearts. He said, if we'll just come, we'll get that rest. Look at Isaiah 53, 4. He carried our sorrows. Why are you carrying your sorrow today? Why are you carrying that sorrow? Why are you carrying that worry? Why are you carrying that anxiety? We all go through that. He's my Savior. Psalm 147, 3. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. I tell you, we got a great physician in the church. We have a physician that attends this church. His name is Jesus, the great physician. He can heal our sorrows. See, he's not only a physician that can heal physically, but he's a great psychiatrist that can heal my emotions. Try a counseling session with him. You won't pay $200 an hour. It's been paid for by the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. I can talk to him anytime. You know, you may call that guy and go, I need to talk to someone. Listen, you can talk to Jesus. I got his phone number. Jeremiah 33.3 is his phone number. Call upon me and I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things. You got his phone number. It's there. It'll always be answered. Quickly. He's my Savior. And I'll just title this Scourges. A scourge is a curse. It's defined by Webster as an evil misfortune. An evil misfortune. Some people feel like they're just under a curse. Have you seen families like this? Bound up with alcohol. Bound up with poverty. Bound up with... It's like a, it's like a curse of darkness over them. They feel beat down. And feel like life is just scourging them. They feel cursed. They feel just something is wrong in their lives. And they just cannot figure it out. There was a lady like that. Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke 13. She was bound. Satan had bound her. She was bound over. Remember the lady? She had scoliosis, I think. She's bound over for all these years. What was it, 18 years? She's bound over. Can you imagine? How are you going to worship God like that? How are you going to serve joyfully like that? And she's all bound up. She's all. And Jesus set her free. Jesus freed her from that curse, from that bondage. 
Jesus took our curses. You may be like, remember Rahab? Rahab was under a curse. She was in a cursed city of Jericho, and she was going to die under that curse. But one day, God gave her a chance. Two spies came, and she believed what they said. And she came out from under the curse, and she became the great, great, I think great, great, or great, great, great grandmother of King David. Listen, a prostitute became the great, great, great grandmother of the greatest king the world has ever known, the great psalmist of Israel, King David. How is that? It tells me this, that I've got a savior today. It does, listen, it doesn't matter what your family tree is. God can give you a new family tree because anyone in Christ is a new creation. Your family may be full of alcoholics. You don't have to be that way. Your family may be full of perverts. You don't have to be that way. Your, your family may be those that have just been bound up in something. Listen, when you come to Jesus, all curses are broken. He destroys the work of the enemy, and you get a new family. That's God's family. That's his eternal family. That's his Holy Spirit family. Come on, somebody. He can save me from every curse. I've already talked about this one. He can save me from suffering. You know what else he can save me from? He's my savior from shame. Some people, the enemy, they feel shame over something. Jesus is the glory and the lifter of my head. And when Zechariah, the Holy Spirit came on him, he prophesied in one, uh, Luke 1, it says, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. That's Mary. And then uh, in 52, he said, he exalted the lowly. Listen to Isaiah 61. Some of you need to take this away. Put it on the screen, please. Isaiah 61, 7. Instead of shame, you shall receive double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in the land which, which uh, they shall possess, double everlasting joy shall be on his head. I claim this for Trinity Life Church. I claim this for this property. I claim that all the shame is gone. We're not going to get blessed. We're going to get double blessed. All the shame, all the humiliation, all the years of pain, gone, gone. Why? I've got a Savior. Jesus is our Savior today. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Let's stand. Come, brother. Jesus. Oh. Whew. Jesus. Oh, come on, lift your hands. Come on, lift your hands and worship. He's our Savior. He's our Savior. He's our Savior. He's our Savior. I'll give you my conclusion. He is our special Savior. He is our supernatural Savior. Here's my, here's my conclusion. Third point, last thing. He is also our Savior with a specific mission. Very specific. His name shall be called Jesus, and he shall save. He is the Savior, the Lord. He came to save. Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you ready to meet the Lord? If you were to die today, are you saved? Are you ready to meet God right now if you were to stand before Him in the next five minutes? He came to save you. He came to forgive your sins.